0: Regeneration remained an interest in February that year, when the surgeon became his own patient. One morning, at about four o'clock, Hunter snapped his Achilles tendon while jumping up and down on his toes. Never one to forego the chance to investigate a new condition, he recorded his self-treatment under the heading, Mr. Hunter's Case. He noted he had been jumping and lighting upon my toes without allowing my heels to come to the ground, when his tendon suddenly snapped. I stood still, without being able to make another spring, and the sensation it gave me was as if something had struck the calf of my leg, and that the noise was the body which had struck me, falling on the floor, and I looked down to see what it was, but saw nothing. The accident provided a perfect case on which Hunter could practice his natural approach to treatment. Confident that nature would mend the torn tendon without human intervention, he declined any surgical aid or physician's remedies, and after a brief rest with his leg bound, he endeavored to walk on the injured foot. For this purpose, he adapted an old shoe by inserting pieces of leather to raise the heel, and as his movement gradually returned, he reduced the height of the heel accordingly. Just as he had expected, the tendon soon mended, and he could walk perfectly normal. Welcome to the MSK Minute podcast by Basics of Ortho, where the aim is to boost your musculoskeletal knowledge and improve your confidence in evaluating and caring for musculoskeletal conditions. Join me for casual discussions on musculoskeletal anatomy and biomechanics, various conditions and other topics related to or being a physician assistant in orthopedics. We will also pick the brains of several interesting guests from time to time. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host and longtime PA in orthopedics, Jason Coggins. Welcome back, orthopedic enthusiasts. Uh, Thank you for joining me on this episode of the MSK Minute. Um, That excerpt that I read in the intro was from a book called The Knife Man, Blood, Body Snatching, and the Birth of Modern Surgery. It's uh, a book by Wendy Moore, and it's about uh, John Hunter, who was a Scottish surgeon Uh, Back in the 1700s, he's considered the father of modern surgery, and in particular, the modern um, scientific surgery. Uh, He um, very frequently used himself as a guinea pig uh, for many injuries and, and conditions that he was studying. And as the excerpt, uh, that I read uh, points out uh, he sustained an Achilles tendon rupture and uh, deduced some things based on his anatomical research and theories and, and treated himself successfully. Um, one other time he used uh, himself as a guinea pig. that's also noted in the book. Um, he actually inoculated himself with gonorrhea and um, and probably syphilis as well, uh, unbeknownst to him. And and that one didn't work out too well for him. But, uh, overall it's a great book for, uh, anybody in orthopedics or interested in surgery or medicine. Uh, so check that out. Uh, but again, today's podcast is we're going to be talking about the Achilles tendon and in particular, um, Achilles tendon ruptures. And we're going to mention a little bit about treatment. We're not going to get too uh, far down the rabbit hole of uh, surgical techniques or anything like that. It's more going, uh, more or less going to be a review or overview of um, the Achilles tendon and Achilles tendon ruptures. So let's start out with a little bit of epidemiology. So actually, you know, we'll start with anatomy first. So the Achilles tendon, uh, it's the strongest and the largest tendon in the body. Um, due to the fact that it's the the strongest and largest tendon in the body that tells you that it has to be because it um, takes the heaviest loads uh, on a day-to-day basis in an activity. So because of that, it's also the most commonly ruptured tendon in the body. It accounts for uh, 20% of all large tendon ruptures. Uh, It happens more in men than women. Uh, there, And, and in, in my experience and, and in most educational settings, they talk about the 40-year-old guy that's uh, still trying to stay young and playing basketball or sports or, or what have you. And uh, that's when it happens. And, and that, that is taught because that's absolutely true. Uh, one study I looked at uh, said the mean age of Achilles tendon ruptures was 39.8 years of age. And, uh, in my experience, that's right on. There's also, um, an, another, uh, age group that, uh, it's more, uh, co- that it commonly happens in and that's over 60. Uh, there's a difference in reasons why in the 40 something year old guy, it's usually again, him trying to, to stay young and play sports, uh, frequently basketball, um, But uh, over 60 population who you'll see some Achilles ruptures in, it uh, is more frequently related to just age-related degeneration. Moving on from uh, the epidemiology of the Achilles tendon and ruptures, uh, let's talk a bit about the anatomy. So the gastroc and the soleus muscles make up our, our, quote, calf muscles. Uh, They're attached to our calcaneus by the thick strong Achilles tendon. Um, Now, what's important to know uh, in relation to uh, ruptures about the anatomy is that it doesn't have a tendon sheath. Uh, It does have a a highly vascularized peritinon that is where it gets its um, vasculature from, as well as what uh, facilitates uh, its gliding. And the proximal and the distal sections of the tendon are supplied by the posterior tibial artery, um, and then the mid-portion is supplied by the perineal artery. So the mid-portion being supplied separately from that tibial uh, artery, which again supplies the proximal and distal portions, uh, leaves the mid-portion um with less blood supply. Therefore it's weaker and it's more vulnerable to tendon de- degeneration and rupture. That's why, um, you know, in folks that do have chronic, uh, tendon Achilles tendinopathy, you'll, you'll palpate those nodules, uh, in that mid substance. And that's where the vast majority of tears occur. The diagnosis of Achilles tendon tears or rupture is generally clinical. Um, you know, the history in most cases is sufficient for uh, telling you exactly what they did. And, a, you know, the the John Hunter excerpt is the classic mechanism and description of it. You know, he uh, mentions it felt like someone kicked him in the back of the leg. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that uh, personally, um, but it's, you know, the 35 to 45 year old guy that's um, playing basketball, playing softball, um, running with his kids in a race that is pushing off either to change directions or to start a sprint or to jump. And they feel like something hit them in the back of the leg or kicked them in the back of the leg. And most of the time they'll say they turn around, there's nobody there. I, I had one guy that was in his 40s, that was playing softball, and he uh, took off to run from first base to second base. And you know, he, he said that uh, he was certain that someone had thrown the ball and hit him in the back of the leg. But then he looked, and the ball was in the outfield. So, you know, again, the, the history is very, very telling. So, to support the history from a physical exam standpoint, you can use, you know, at least in your initial inspection, um, they're going to have some limping or difficulty ambulating. Um, that's a given. But you can use uh, the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons uh, clinical practice guidelines um, to diagnose an Achilles tendon rupture. And what that is is uh, there's four criteria, and if two or more of those criteria are met, then that is more or less confirmatory for an Achilles tendon rupture. And those four criteria are, number one, uh, a positive Thompson test. If you're not familiar with the Thompson test, uh, you can go um, to uh, basicsofortho.com and the physical exam section and the ankle, and uh, you can pull up a video and see the thompson test or you can go to the basics of ortho youtube channel and see the same video um but if you're not familiar with that it's where the patient's lying belly down and uh, you squeeze the calf and when you squeeze the calf you're pulling on that achilles tendon which pulls on the uh, calcaneus and should plantar flex the foot that's with an intact achilles tendon if you do not see any plantar flexion then that's a positive thompson test so Uh, Number one, positive Thompson test. Number two is decreased plantar flexion strength. So if they don't have uh, an intact Achilles tendon, they don't have a connection between that gastroxoleus muscle complex and that hind foot, and therefore they can't plantar flex. Number three, there's a a presence of a palpable defect. In most cases, uh, you'll palpate the Achilles tendon and it feels nice and thick and taut Uh, almost like a rope structure just underneath the skin. And when you reach a point where the the tear is, it's like there's this, it is a defect, but it's a a, a soft, mushy uh, separation where you don't feel this distinct palpable cord. And then the final uh, criteria uh, for the um, AOS clinical practice guidelines is an increased passive ankle dorsiflexion with gentle manipulation. So when you uh, do a dorsiflexion stretch, you know, you're pushing, you know, the patients or your own toes up towards your head, the Achilles tendon is what stops you. It's what limits that dorsiflexion. So if you don't have an intact Achilles tendon, you're going to have increased dorsiflexion on the side that is torn compared to the side that is intact. So Again, you can diagnose this strictly clinically by those criteria. So that raises a question. <clears throat> uh, are any radiographs necessary? So in, in my practice, um, I generally don't get radiographs if I feel a, a definite palpable defect amid substance uh, when I do get a, a radiographs is when I suspect there may be um, more of a chance of uh, an avulsion injury where the Achilles has pulled uh, a portion of its attachment on the calcaneus uh, off, and so you've got this bony avulsion. And I suspect that more uh, when I don't feel a good in mid-substance defect, and there in the defect is a bit closer uh, to that calcaneal insertion. Uh, And then I'll get a a lateral x-ray to look and see if there is bony avulsion. If I palpate a small defect and it still feels like there is some intact fibers um, and they have um, a a negative-ish Thompson test, then I may consider an MRI or an ultrasound to evaluate uh, the um, extent of uh, the Achilles tear. So those are the instances that uh, imaging can be helpful. Now, if you have an older patient that has a lower energy injury or spontaneous rupture, you may want to consider uh, going ahead and imaging to evaluate for any calcific lesions that may have been in the tendon. Uh, that would indicate chronic calcific tendinopathy or Hagelin's prominence. Um, and what that would suggest is that they had chronic degeneration, and that may affect your treatment. Um, so those would be the instances for radiographs. So we've diagnosed our patient with Achilles tendon rupture. So what do we do? Well, if you are in um, the non-orthopedic setting, so you're working in primary care, urgent care, ER, um, urgent care and ER are going to be the setting that you'll probably more likely come across this. Um, You want to get them to their definitive uh, provider. So you want to get them to orthopedics. Um, You want to splint them the posterior splint or give them a boot but you do want them in a bit of plantar flexion you know about 30 degrees or so of plantar flexion so get them in that posterior orthoglass splint uh, or that uh, cam boot if you have a wedge that you can put in it um, then do that but get them on some crutches you know again your typical conservative treatment uh, for initial injuries your, your rice protocols and get them to ortho. Now, if you're working in ortho, you have the decision of conservative versus operative treatment. And that's where the biggest controversy has fallen uh, over the years. So when I first started practicing 15 years ago, um, yeah, it was your options were casting uh, initially with a long leg cast with the foot and plantar flexion and then, Switching to a short leg cast in plantar flexion you know, a couple of weeks later. And then two weeks later, you change the cast and a little bit more. Um, you bring them into a little bit more dorsiflexion. And you do that every couple of weeks for 12 weeks. Um, so that was frequently done. But there was also the option of surgery. Um, and this is the sports medicine surgeon that I worked for. Um, he was actually ahead of his time in that he was really advocating um, advanced uh, therapy and so he would operate on these um, and they'd be non-weight bearing for a couple of weeks and then we'd have a, a, a dorsiflexion blocking splint fabricated and they could start weight-bearing, uh, full weight-bearing in the splint, and he'd go ahead and get them started in physical therapy. Um, and around that time period, so this would have been roughly 2006, 2007, you know, everybody, for the most part, was advocating um, surgical intervention because they had a much higher uh, or much lower uh, re-rupture rate and uh, over the years since there's been several studies done that are starting to turn things back around and um, saying that whoa uh, you know operative treatment you know yeah it's good from a, a re-rupture standpoint But it does have some inherent risks, uh, particularly infection is the biggest thing that's worried about. And they started looking at more conservative treatment options that are a little bit um, less um, conservative than the serial casting. So they started looking at um, splinting or using uh, special boots that you could use the wedges and decrease the angle of the wedges as time moves on uh, and expedite recovery and start physical therapy a bit sooner as well. Interestingly, those studies started showing not much worse re-rupture rates than operative management, and you didn't have the same complication profile with uh, infection and as many DVTs and, and that sort of thing. So we've made a full circle and more or less gone back to 1767 when John Hunter treated his own Achilles tendon rupture with a shoe he made that had uh, leather slabs in it, and he would pull a leather slab out every so often to get his heel back down, and uh, coupled with early motion and ambulation. So again we're we're not far off of his treatment now, not to say that conservative treatment doesn't have its potential uh complications as well um you know if you know, the the complication of the serial casting that I mentioned was being done at the beginning of my career, the biggest thing would be um, significant muscle atrophy and weakness and uh, increased time to return to activity because of all the uh, rehabilitation that was needed to um, combat those complications of long-term immobilization. with today's more expedited uh, rehab protocols and conservative treatment, there's less of that, um, but weakness uh, with plantar flexion has still been shown to be a, uh, a complication of conservative treatment and even uh, operative management to an extent. So what's the prognosis after Achilles tendon ruptures? Well, in general... Um, Most patients resume normal ambulation between three and four months. Uh, That's without any um, protection. Patients that are active, depending on the the rehab protocol being used and how conservative or aggressive the the treating provider is, uh, any running activity can be resumed between four to six months. And then for um, more strenuous activity that involves maybe more explosive uh, activity, those generally aren't allowed uh, to be even worked on until about six months after the injury, whether that's conservative uh, or operative management. So I hope uh, this review of the Achilles tendon, its anatomy, and uh, Achilles tendon ruptures and their treatment has been helpful for you, and I hope it's uh, provided a little bit of um, or at least a nugget or two of knowledge for you. Ultimately, though, um, your treatment of these boils down to you and your supervising physician or surgeon's uh, preferences. But uh, again, I hope you found this helpful, and I hope that you'll join me for the next episode of the MSK Minute. Thank you again for joining me on today's podcast. I trust that you have found it valuable to your learning and practice, and maybe even a bit entertaining. Please join me for the next episode of the MSK Minute by Basics of Ortho. If you have found this podcast useful, I would be exceedingly grateful if you'd hit that subscribe button and leave a comment. Also, please consider visiting and subscribing to the website, basicsofortho.com to get the latest updates and take advantage of all the great ortho-themed video content, blog articles, and more. If you'd like to contact me directly, you can do so through the website or jason at basicsofortho.com. Stay safe and see you next time.